Talk Money to Me is a finance podcast produced by TransGlobal. All opinions expressed by the host and guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of TransGlobal. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as basis for investment decisions. Hey everyone, welcome to Talk Money to Me, where we talk about money and how it affects you. I'm your co-host Jonathan, and I know a little bit about finance. And I'm your other co-host, Tracy, and I know very little about finance. We have two wonderful guests with us today. I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Oriana Chan, mortgage loan originator for TransGlobal. Hey everyone, my name is Daniel and I'm a financial advisor. Today we're going to be doing a little bit of history and a little bit of our current situation. So we wanted to kind of delve into what has happened in terms of financial uh, situations, uh, good or bad, and see whether or not that helps us to better understand why things that happened during the pandemic happened the way they did or what else we can kind of expect in the future. Um, Oriana, I was wondering if you could just start us off to see if there was anything maybe from the uh, housing side. In the 1980s, um, there was a boom and then there was a crash. People made tons of money in the 80s, but everybody spent (laughs) all the money that they made. What led to the collapse? The collapse, the savings and loans, the banks um, fell first. When you say they fell, like they ran out of money to give out or something else? A lot of fraud. Oh. A lot of fraud happened. (laughs) And they, I think that toppled over and the stock market crashed too. It's the whole economy. All the aerospace corporations moved out in the 80s. They went all out of state. Everybody lost their jobs. The real estate market, all, all of their uh, office spaces. I mean, you're talking about Northrop. Boeing. Are we talking know, about what state are we talking about right now? California. Just all California. So yeah. this So this nineteen like in, in the eighties, this crisis. This was this was just in California. Yeah. But it was so California. big that it was able to affect like nationwide, like yeah. economics. That's well, that's the stocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the fall of the stocks. Yeah. So everyone thought money was coming in, but then when the jobs, you know, were stopped. gone, stopped. There was no money coming in. No money means no loans get paid. No loans get paid <laughs> because right. people get kicked out. Closure. But also, I feel I do feel like that was kind of unpredictable then. Like, because you're saying like there weren't a lot of checks and balances before, so which which is why I connected it to like, oh, maybe they were just too trusting then, and there needed to be like you said, this process today is much stricter in order to approve, oh, get yes. a loan approved. Yes. Um, but there's no way we could predict if like like a COVID situation where suddenly jobs completely shift industries or like millions of people lose their jobs um yeah and are unable to like these people were in every other way uh, like set to fully pay off their loans when they got the loans even though there weren't that many checks is that probably true that's probably true but i mean the loans are different i mean back then there was no income no asset loans where it is very easy to get with countrywide Oh, so in the past, I could just say, I, I'm good for it. And they're like, okay, you, have you a are. a good credit score. You have a place of employment. Just somebody could just vouch for you. Like, I hired him yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, he's good for it. Yeah, he'll kill. Mm. I hired him. <laughs> 
that explained things happening in the 80s. And then um, later on, we move past the 80s, kind of spills over to the 90s, and then we get to the dot-com bubble, yeah? Yeah, the dot-com bubble crash was uh, one of the most fascinating, I think, um, phenomenons in the financial world. When did it happen? I believe 90, like late 90s. This, this new invention, the internet, was becoming widely available. And then uh, companies that were linked to the internet, like Netscape, were highly, highly valued because people thought that they could um, lead us into a new world, right? So what happened with this was a lot of people started investing in these internet companies, which means that these companies were suddenly overnight becoming very, very, very valuable companies. But they weren't making any money. <laughs> they literally, rev the revenue sheets were in the negative or they just weren't making revenue at all. We weren't getting as many ads when we went on websites. Exactly, no one, no one knew how to monetize the internet at that point. Oh. It was just this new fascinating thing and people who were on the bleeding edge of the, like the, the, the web were seeing their companies grow to astronomical like, heights in terms of valuations. But weren't right? profiting off of it. But weren't profiting, there, oh, there was no. no profit. It was just investors believing that these companies could turn a profit in the future mm -hmm. um, because they believed that they were valuable they, be they believed in the internet so much that it was like, yeah, Netscape is worth like a couple million dollars when literally they hadn't sold anything. They hadn't created anything. They were just this icon in the, in, in the, uh, in, on, on the internet. In an in a equal and proper economy, if Apple makes $1.2 billion in a year in terms of revenue, their company should be worth $1.2 billion, right? The total number of stocks outstanding times how much it costs should equal 1.2 billion. However, that's not how the stock market works, right? We project that, yes, stock, Apple made $1.2 billion this year, but we also, we're also trying to project how much they're gonna make in the future, also what they can contribute outside of just sales in terms of innovation. There's a lot of these factors and it's impossible to quantify, but it's literally just a lot of people believing that a company is worth more than what it actually is today. A lot of companies, what they ended up doing was they ended up just slapping a dot-com to their name <laughs> when they went public. Oh, wow. I yeah. did not know that. So they ended up just slapping a dot-com. It could be like a Shoes. lumber shop, a lumber shop. <laughs> oh. And they're like lumber.com. And they would go, they would IPO. And then people would see that they had a dot-com by their name and think it's an internet company and pour money in there. What? So this goes back to like what Oriana was saying. It was a lot of fraud. Yes. And in this sense, it's kind of not necessarily fraud. It's just very, very misleading, right? We're just, these companies were just putting a dot-com to try to take advantage of this craze. Before the internet was big enough where we could Google. Before we could vet these companies, were, yeah. you know, right? Before we could literally see like, okay, well, what is lumber.com? You type it in, there's no, there's no website. Yeah, there is no lumber. There is no lumber.com. Not even a lumber.net, lumber.att, <laughs> lumber.whatever you can have, yeah. These companies, were growing at such an incredible rate that people started looking around and realizing that maybe we shouldn't be speculating this heavily into something that's not making any money. So finally, one person, <laughs> not stood one up person, on a platform, yeah. but made it the was, first YouTube video and told everyone, "You're wasting YouTube your money." YouTube was around then. I know. Oh gosh, but what a world! It, it was. It was basically a lot of people kind of opening, like waking up and opening their eyes and realizing that, like these companies aren't worth what, 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 what these numbers say, right? And then collectively, a lot of people pulled out 
and then it was just like the first of uh, first of a domino to fall. And as people people exited, um, the stock price kept crashing and crashing and crashing. What really happened? What the reason why I want to bring up the the, the dot com bubble crash though is because it kind of relates to modern day stock market. Ever since kind of like 2019, up until 2020, a lot of people were saying everything's overvalued. Uh, these companies cost too much. These companies are too speculative, right? Literally saying one thing. This company is not worth what you're paying for in the stock price. This is very similar to what happened in during the dot-com bubble crash. Too much speculation, too high valuations, um, and eventually something gave. The difference between what happened in 2020 versus what happened in the 90s with the dot-com bubble crash was the fact that people were more informed. Yeah. People were better informed about what was going on and they could make more informed decisions about how to react to a situation. And not buy lumber.com. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, just be smarter with the investment. probably exists now and I desperately want to Google it, but um, it's okay. <laughs> just an example, but I don't think, I hope there isn't. What do you mean? I'm sure there's a lumber.com. I'm sure somebody bought the domain name. So now that in our present time, we have more information to better gauge how to spend our money in the stock market, is that affecting the housing market now? Uh, I know that we've had historic lows uh, because of the pandemic, but how does it look in terms of pricing of housing? Are people able to buy houses still? Rates are still historically low. Um, I don't think it's ever gonna go be as low as it is now. Prices are still high. It's gonna continue to go up right now as the trend is but it's in the LA suburbs area. It is stabilizing. And even if it does come down a bit, because they're saying next year, because of the landlord law. The eviction The eviction, moratorium. yeah, that you're gonna see a lot of foreclosures, but I don't think so. I think it's gonna be pretty stable in this area, in the LA suburb area. Like if everybody's buying houses, you're saying prices right. have gone up, right? That also means, that also tells me that lo people are taking out loans. Cause I'm not, I assume it's not like people have suddenly increased in cash and are like, but I feel like they're just cashing in on the low rates. Yeah. So, um, so eventually down the line, it's possible that we'll have a lot of people with huge mortgages. This is what <laughs> I'm seeing um, within the last couple of years. People are putting more down payments. Oh, okay. And banks are actually willing to help you with modification, forbearances right now. Where in the past, they just want to take your house. Yeah. I think they really yeah. learned from um, what happened in 2008 when yes. they were giving really, really uh, sub like subprime Yeah, there's no borrowers. more negative AM loans yeah. where you pay less than interest and then the so balance goes to the So in general, the, the industry back. has become more careful. I think they've learned from their mistakes. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think the problem right now that a lot of econo uh, economists are talking about is the problem with the original implementation of the eviction um, moratorium. In 2020, when COVID hit and people were put out of work, um, the federal government forbade evicting current tenants. Even if they couldn't pay. Even if they couldn't pay, yes. right? This was a problem for people who own those houses right. because some people rely on that rent to pay the mortgage on the homes. So in conjunction, what they did was they uh, offered mortgage forbearance for those people who could not meet their mortgage payments. 
mortgage forbearances delayed payments basically exactly what they do is they put it to the balance of your loan so you could be upside down if it's a large amount but so for they, they include it with your loan so for example if like uh my mortgage is five thousand uh dollars -huh. right for 12 months my my tenants didn't pay that's sixty thousand dollars in the year between march 2020 and uh march 2021 uh, that's about $60,000 that's added to my loan cost. So if my mortgage was, say, half a million dollars, right? I had half a million dollars left. Mm -hmm. My mortgage is now $560,000. Right. My question, though, is, and I, I'm not an expert in this field, is mm -hmm. is my mortgage payment still $5,000? Are they just adding years onto my, adding time to the end of my They're mortgage? They're adding time, and they gave them actually a higher interest rate. Oh, really? For yeah. just that 60000 period? Yeah. Wow. So it raised their I think that that could be a payment. really big problem, actually. Yeah, I so think... people are trying to refinance. But okay. the problem is, if you have a late payment after the forbearance, I can't help you. No ah. one will help you. So <laughs> if you refinance that forbearance period, is, is, is that, per that, that balance from the forbearance period, that is still, that could be refinanced and changed to a new rate. Yes. Okay, so that's that's a that's a clear cut way to, yes. to help yourself. Just don't make late payments. I mean yeah. what this tells me really <laughs> is is that the government's found ways to make their money but not be so greedy that it hurts the people, which it will in turn crash the economy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like it sounds like it's not really that they got nicer, it's just that they realized that hurting others hurt themselves too. So hurt they themselves decided more. Yeah. yeah. So they decided to play nice. I feel like is what happened. Uh, what a dark world we live in. <laughs> what if everybody was motivated by the kindness of their hearts? Uh, then we probably wouldn't need to do this podcast because everyone would just take care of their money on their own and there'd be no No, no, issues. I'm a very kind person who doesn't take care of my money. Okay. So. That's right. <laughs> um, and with that, we'll go ahead and draw this episode to a close. Thanks again to our guests for coming to speak with us today. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.